Pelotero Pickle episode 68. We have a special guest, Bobby Magallanes from the Atlanta Braves, hitting coach, assistant hitting coach. Tremendous episode. We get into some really deep concepts of coaching. This is an awesome episode. You're going to love it. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 68, take two. We have a special guest with us today, the Atlanta Braves assistant hitting coach, Bobby Magallanes. I think I got Magallanes. I think I got it reasonably correct. Obviously, we have Chris with us as always, but let's throw it to the guest, World Series champion, Bobby. How are we doing today? Doing great, guys, man. It was a pleasure being here and being with you guys. How's that sound, World Series champion? It sounds really cool. It sounds cool. You did when it happened. It didn't hit you till a couple of days later. Ago, man, we're actually World Series champions. It, it hits you afterwards. Describe, describe, because I keep, I can't get over this, right? Like, describe what the whole journey was like as you're going through the op, like the, the postseason, got into the postseason and, and eventually like the culmination into the world series. If you can, like just emotionally, like how, how was it exhausting? Was it refreshing, energizing? I, I really, I'm so curious to know all that. Yeah. Well, obviously exciting. It's, that's what you play for. Uh, it, it was special. Um, you know, first of all, you know, we were, under, I think under 500 going into August. And then we, we rolled from there. Um, I mean, it was, and at that time you're still, we have, you know, it was like, you know, we were still kind of there, but now we're like, it was like in between, you know, you know, are we still, we still have a shot Do we don't. And, uh, but, you know, we still believe in our team. Our GM obviously believe in our team as well. I mean, some great acquisitions. I mean, incredible. That, that really helped us really, you know, uh, turn the corner, but, but uh, to win the, the the division was was exciting because of everything we went through and, and how we came back towards the end and won it. That was really really cool. And then from there, I mean, the playoffs just keep advancing every round, every round, and obviously get to the World Series. That's exciting. And then to win it is like, wow, does this just happen? And it, it's just a, a feeling that's indescribable. To be honest with you, and just grateful mainly main thing for me personally just just grateful and thankful that i can be a part of that that i can experience having such a great group of guys and it, it was awesome it's incredible it's it's just a kind of a pinnacle moment life moment situation where i it just you, there's got to be so much work and so many memories and so many things that have happened to get to that point that you probably relive and think about and it's just it's cool it's I think anybody that's played the game at a serious level dreams of winning a world series ring. It's something that I, that the, the, uh, any involvement at a major league team or organized facility ball level, that would be the, the greatest draw for me to go that way is to try to win a world series. It's, it's, it's just special. There's only one team wins it a year and it's pretty incredible. It's great. Remind you. Thanks for reminding me that only one team wins. I appreciate that, Bobby. That's cool. Listen, only only one team finishes the season with the win. Only one re- good team. I mean, there's bad teams can finish on win, but if you're getting to the postseason, the only everybody else leaves, leaves a heartbreak. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> brutal. I know. I, my heart was broken. How about how about I lost the ALCS on probably the worst play of all time? Like the literally the, just the worst play. 
Kane Kane's on first. Hosmer hits like a whatever. He hits a McNugget to right field. I'm gonna call it a McNugget. It was like a looping end of the bat thing. Joey Bats throws it into second, and they just wave Kane in. And they're like, keep going. And he scores. And I'm like, what just happened? How did that happen? He hit a McNugget to right. And then we have opportunities to tie it. We had the we had the we had a runner on third and nobody out. We had first and third, nobody out, and we didn't score. And then guess what? The next day was my birthday. It's very obvious that you haven't been thinking about it at all either. Also, Eric Hosmer's birthday. So who celebrated their birthday better? He was thinking about going to the World Series, and I was on a plane back to Toronto. Who said? <laughs> well, that'll happen. So uh, I want to get into some detail here. I want to I want to know what preparations are taking place now for the next season. Where there's, I mean, you got how many players do you deal with? Are you dealing primarily with? 25 man roster do you deal with 40 man guys are you prepping like what what homework are you doing how are you preparing to get ready for next year with your role well you know the the, the guys obviously they, they you know it's their off season they they get ready to what what they need to do um me personally again uh because of this season was, was so long just try to spend some me personally try to spend some family time and uh, but I like to stay sharp with with my coaching you know um, there are some uh, uh, mainly with my kids as a matter of fact just right now I got approved by the HOA to put a batting cages I, I, I just years ago and I'm starting to, to the backyard and and uh, so I got approved I just got I just got the approved letter this morning. So I'm like, yeah. And I called the guy that, that, uh, that puts up the cages, you know, he, he, he puts up cages here around with the facilities here, the big league facilities and, and in Arizona. And, uh, he goes, all right, well, you know, let me, you know, get back to you a couple of days, but yeah, I want to put a cage so I can work with my kids. But those are the main guys I've worked with. Since I don't see my kids too much, I, those, that's who, you know, I got two boys and those are the kids really I work with the most just so I can just, you know, help them out and be there for them. But, uh, but in the off season, I try to, uh, you know, sometimes like, you know, they've been, I've been asked to give lessons lately. But I'm back, so I just want to spend some time with the family first, but, but right now the, the, the off season really is just those players are going to get ready on their own. Um, and so, uh, you know, whatever they need, they, you know, I mean, whatever they need to get ready that they, they do that. Me personally, uh, I mean, because of the lockout right now, we, we can't have any contact, but, I try me personally stay sharp by giving lessons, uh, but I just do some high school kids. There's a couple of, of, of college kids that, uh, that, that, uh, they have called. And, uh, but right now I haven't done anything yet because again, I've been just trying to spend some time with the family, but usually what, what I usually do is just give some lessons in the off season just to stay sharp. But another thing too, is I study, study. I mean, I'm reading a couple books right now on, on cueing, on coaching, on, on moves on you know on body works all that it's just trying to keep getting better that's awesome any uh anything in particular that's really got your attention right now with uh you know Rudy? yeah you know what what i i i got is I, i'll show it to you it's a uh, queuing and the book i got actually i ordered two books but the one i'm doing right now is this one uh the language of coaching yeah uh, nick winkleman i don't know if you ever heard of him i have yep yeah, well, I met Nick when I was with the Indians, and he spoke to us 
uh, in Goodyear, Arizona, at the Hampton Inn in Goodyear, Arizona. He spoke to us as coaches, and I'm telling you, I, I was like floored by what he had to say. And and again, my master's degree in performance psychology after that. And it's funny because in the introduction here, I read it and he, he talks about that story of going to Goodyear, Arizona, the Hampton Inn. That's crazy. Millions. I'm going, whoa, I'm like, shit, I was there, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and actually we, we stayed until like on Instagram, we, we, we stayed and then he had, he's really cool. And um, he's very good at when it comes to coaching, how to coach and cueing. So I want to get better at that. I feel like that's a kind of a strength of mine trying to use little cues, but I want to keep learning. And it's, it's how we learn. It's like the way our memory is and what, how we perceive things and how we connect things the, with words and, and pictures and all that. And that's how we can get whatever we want the hitter to do, whatever moving moment to make. Yeah, we see it, but we also, if there's a certain cue, it's like, Oh, there it is. And bam, they do it. You know? I'm so fascinated by the mental side and obviously with your background and, and what you've studied, do you, do you feel like, and, and this is kind of a weird question. Do you feel like there's a, there's a place to, that we, we as humans, as baseball people or just a total society, can we get a stronghold on how to be like, how to coach people? Is there, is there like a proper path or, is it kind of up for debate and deliberation and it depends on style of player and, and, and coach as well? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just going from my experiences, not only the experience as a coach for gosh, 20 years, whatever, but also studying this, researching it. Um, every person sees things differently. We all do, you know, I mean, both you guys, you know, you know, Toots can, think differently and, 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 and Chris, you can think different on certain things like, Oh, that's what you want me to do. You know? Um, you know, uh, and so everyone's different. So if we get to learn the language of the player, how he functions, what he thinks, uh, we, we can really become better coaches. And that's the one thing is we don't get taught that it's like, we don't get taught how to coach we research stuff and that, okay, this is how the body works. This is how the move, this is, this is what the, the arms, this is what the hips do. This is, we learned that there's a bunch of guys out there that are good at that and research all the stuff on, on the way the body is, but we really don't go out and I'm speaking for myself. We don't really go into, okay, how do I coach? What's the art of coaching? How can I coach and get this guy better? Because there's a lot of guys that have so much great and knowledgeable maybe aren't really good at coaching there's a big difference huge difference because there's some people who don't know a lot but man they're good coaches and they work with anybody they can teach infield play outfield base running and they're going to be great at that even though they don't that's not a strength of theirs in terms of the knowledge of it but they'll be able to coach it like that and that's the key to coaching is is to me the ultimate thing is how can i get that guy to get better and do the, what i want him to do yeah, it's uh it's a really intriguing paradigm to me because I always I always wonder what like are there are there absolutes, are there truths that exist that are 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 things that are like base level that have to be there and, and is there a way to systemize kind of how we I don't know go about building relationships with people if that makes any sense. And ultimately 
you know, the thing that I always go back to is authenticity, right? Just being authentic as an individual. And I think that's the thing. You can't really measure it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. But when I was with Cleveland and we first met, it was one of the first things that I think came through to me right away. I think you, you came in and said hello to me early on and, and right away I, I felt there was, a, it was a different conversation and not to, you know, dog on anybody else that was there, but um, you know, and I had it with, I had those, that, those kind of feelings with Tito. That's part of, part of why I signed in, in Cleveland, but there, there's that, the, the interesting part to me is about being authentic and, I'm, I'm super curious about like the deeper levels of it. So that's, thank you for answering. That was a really, uh, a really cool way to think of it for me just now. Yeah. I, I have a, a follow-up to that. And the, the difference between having knowledge and, and being a good coach, that's really, it made me think of having um, good swing versus good approach from, from a hitting standpoint where it's kind of like, it's two different things. And yeah, if you can't, you can, you can, hit with a bad swing um, and having a good swing doesn't mean you can hit and everybody, it seems like every, the whole industry is like, fix your swing and then you'll be a good hitter. And it's like, and you're missing a whole, like probably like 90% of it is you're missing. Um, but I, I wanted to drill down a little bit on the concept of trust with, within that concept of coaching I mean, how important I think in your role, where you have free agents coming in, you've got guys on big contracts, you've got such a weird, interesting dynamic. You've got players come from all over the world. How important is trust? And what are some, I guess, I guess tactics for coaches that are listening? Um, how do you go about building trust and, and being able to bridge that gap of, I'm trying to help you get to where you need to be, but maybe you don't trust me. And how do you, how do you get there? You had told us a story when we talked the other, the other week, um, which I don't know if you can get into details about players, but really struck me. And I've been thinking about it a lot since. So I'm, I'm just curious about your, your thoughts on trust and how that plays a role in the whole conversation. Well, trust to me is the ultimate thing. Um, when, when in that, in any, it's a relationship. So whether it be coach, player, um, husband, wife, friend, colleague, when you build trust, that relationship just, just gets stronger and stronger. And then you can talk about things and no one will be offended. They will listen to you. They'll trust you because, okay, even though I don't agree with this, I trust this guy, you know, because he knows it's what's best for me. He's trying just to help me. And he knows he loves me. To me, the ultimate is love. And you love on them. And, and, and it's, it's like, this guy cares about me. This guy really, truly, this guy is not in it for himself. He's not in it. I'm talking about as a coach. This coach is in it for himself. It's not about him trying to climb the ladder or, or make a name for himself. This guy really cares about me and wants what's best for me. So, and, and, and trust it, 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 it gets built. It just gets built little by little. It gets built, built before you know it, when they know you're in there and those conversations, because I, you know, going back, I'll make quick parenthesis here going back with Chris with, with, with Cleveland. And I remember that. And, uh, and I remember we were out in the outfield shagging, I think. And I went up to you and that's, we just started talking. And I remember again, yeah, Chris, what's going on? And I remember you being with, with, you know, with, with the team with, um, uh, I think team Italy and, 
And I remember you from the past and I'm going, yeah. So we just started talking. Hi, where are you from? The first thing, I mean, I, I remember I was like, hey, where are you from? What, what do you do? And, oh, that's cool. And, and, and that's what I try to do is like, I just try to get to know the guide. And, and if the more questions I ask and that there's something like, oh, okay. And then I try to like make it about him. Like, oh yeah. So, oh, so yeah. So, and so how do you like that? And, oh yeah. I mean, I knew a guy like that or, or whatever it is. All of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, so now there's something there. And then that person opens up and, and really I start listening. I just want to hear the story. And, and the thing about that is, is there's two things that, that a, not only human being, but us as males, there's two things that, that we need and we want. And that's to be heard and to be respected. Everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants to be respected. Those are the two main things. Everything else we can care less so everyone likes to talk. So, so we want them. I want the guy to talk. And when there's trust, he'll open up and I just listen. Why? Because he wants to be heard. The player wants to be heard. Like This is my story. And, and I will listen. I won't tell him, hey, this is what you need to do. Or, oh, that's cool. Man, that's really cool. Man, I didn't know that about you. are like, man, that's a pretty cool story. And then they'll keep opening up. And then they want respect. So I respect them. I respect, uh, I respect the person. And that's where the trust gets built. And everyone has a story. Everyone wants to tell their story. And when we listen to that, that's where it's like they'll even stay more and more and more when we start listening. So I made that little parenthesis because I remember with, with you, Chris, I remember having that type of conversation. I remember it, right now it just came back to me. We were in the outfield in one of the fields and we were just shagging. And I was out there with my fungo and I just went up to him just started a conversation. You know, that was it. We didn't even talk it. We just conversation. Nah, and that was the cool part. And so the, I mean, you weren't going to coach me, like right. I was right. either going to be in the big leagues or in AAA, and uh, like you, you weren't going to be on the staff. So it, it was, it was even cooler to me because I was like, there's, there was no, there was zero agenda there for you, right? Zero, other than being first team all human. Uh, that was it, you know. So <laughs> I, I think that part to me is, is, is what's so cool is when. When you see that, and, and I think I'm I'm looking at things now with this different lens, right? Because I have some friends that are hitting coaches in the big leagues, obviously yourself included, and it's it's weird because I, I look at things from Bobby's lens, right? Having been a kind of a private type, staying on the player side versus being on the the, the team side, and that dynamic, no matter what, is going to be different, and that's the one. Thing that's really really difficult in my eyes and i i don't think people give it enough credit they ask why are there swing coaches in the world it was there's team and player so i'm so fascinated by the whole thing but what the players really need and obviously why the atlanta Braves were successful this past year is because of the relationships that i know you and the rest of that staff were able to build with them because when it comes down to it players need to everything you just talked about, you know, they need everything you just talked about, but it's amazing if you really sit and think about the differences of how Bobby was able to do that with players versus how it usually is perceived on the team side. You know what I mean? That, that difference between that private and, and, and team dynamic is so unique to me. And um, what do you like, just what are your thoughts on that in general um, about like the private hitting guy and, and how many, have you, have you come across that? Like any, any conflict there with any of the, the hitters in, in the big leagues? No, no, not really. Because I, I like to come alongside with the hitter. You know, it's like, it, I'm, it, we're for them. I'm for him. I'm for, 
the player whatever he needs to get better. And if he's got his personal hitting guide, it's fine. I'd like to know what he's telling him. I'm like, hey, man, so, you know, what, what is he teaching? What are you guys working on? And just so that I can be in the loop so I can, okay, these are the things. I mean, if there's too much information, it gets, like, all out of whack and and, and anyways. But but because uh, there's some good ones out there. There really are, you know. Um, but it, to me, it's like it's all about how can we get that guy better? How can we get the 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 hitter better and and I'm okay with them going outside. That's if that makes them better. The bottom line is their results in the game. To me, it's like, what are you doing in the game? You're successful. I don't care how you got there. How you do it. Thing is, you're helping us win. And that's bottom line. Like, and this guy helped us win. And so, anyways, uh, I, I'm I'm okay with that. Again, it's it's uh, I, I like I ask questions. I ask, hey man, so who do you hit with in the offseason? That's another question I ask guys. Like, yeah, so you, you have a certain guy you like, you know, or, or certain, oh, yeah, I work with this guy. Oh, yeah, where? Where's he from? And, okay, and, you know, I'm like, okay, what does he teach? What did he tell you? And, okay, good. Okay, great. And, again, and again, when, when I make it to where I, they can open up, it's like, oh, man, this guy didn't like, oh, man, why are you doing that? Or, or, or I talk bad about him. They, then that's where they won't open up anymore. But when I bring them in and and collaborate with them and, and partner with them, I'm partnering with player to make him better that's when the trust will, will be built but i i'm i'm okay with them going going outside um if if that's going to help them out the only thing i like to know so that there's not a lot there's conflict where i'm going oh maybe you know i don't know if that's what's going to work for you uh you know what that's good but you know we're seeing this because of whatever reason uh i just like the communication part of it which which again i got no problem with that, doing that if that's going to help them out do you think that dynamic's changed a lot in the last 20 to 30 years in terms of like how organizations in general feel about that? Like I, I wasn't in affiliated in the, the 90s and 2000s, so I was always curious about it because it felt it felt to me like, you know, Bobby always says, you know, when we first got to professional baseball, you almost weren't allowed to talk about mechanics in the, in, in the clubhouse, like Took says it all the time. Do you feel like that's it's different now that organizations are in general are more supportive? I've seen that. Uh, I, I do. Yeah, you're right. I, I think I've seen that with, with a couple organizations where they are, they're supportive. They're okay. You know, again, as long as there's not conflict ventures on there's, it's not like we're, oh man, this guy's getting worse. But, but, but again, yeah, I think more, more organizations are grasping that. They're like, okay, well, that's their guy. This is what they're, what's what they do. This, this, this person likes. And, and again, you know, as you guys know, it's, it's who does the player feel comfortable with? Cause let's say, let's say that, that this one coach he's had for a while and he's had success. I mean, and there's a relationship with, with, with him and that hitting guy, there's a relationship that he's got and it's going to be tough to break. that. It's just, there's trust built. He's had success. It's like, and, and I'm more, and, and since I'm, I like to learn and I'm for the player. Hey, what is he teaching you? Maybe I'm going to learn something from that. Guy. You know, it's like, Oh man, that's really cool. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to get you to do that, but he's helping you. I'm like, yeah, I like that. You know, what do you tell you? Maybe there's a cue, maybe there's a drill that he did with them to help him get that. I'm like, okay. So I'm okay with it. It's, um, but yeah, team, team organization. I think that's something now that's in the, in the past, it was like, oh no, don't go outside. We're, we know we're, we're going to tell you, they don't know. And then more and more now with so much research now and, and information technology and information that's out there. I mean, a lot of people are, are getting better there's more knowledgeable there's there's a lot more information where hitting coaches can get more knowledge and get better to teach hitting 
Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit because 10 years ago when things started getting going for me, it was, the players were hiding it. It wasn't even like there was an opportunity for the organization to be bought in with most guys I was working with early. They didn't even want the organization to know they were, it was don't tell anybody, keep my name uh-huh. private, just keep it off the books basically because they didn't want to, they didn't want to, be perceived as, as going outside the lines as being disrespectful to the organization. Um, the, and it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because you have your employer who's paying you many times, often a lot of money to perform. You know, you sign a contract to play, play the game at a certain level, um, or at least intend to play the game at a certain level. And then if you make changes, there's a dynamic of the player experiencing failure on their own but if they're getting the information from outside of the organization it's just a weird dynamic where they're 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 stepping on toes by not staying within the organization and they want to keep it private but now i hear stories all the time of of coaches major league hitting coaches going out in the off season to to watch sessions and interact with the coaches and i, I wish so badly that that had happened when i was working with guys um i haven't been I haven't even pursued working with pro guys in a number of years now with everything we have going on with Pelotero, but the, uh, I, I wish I had the opportunity to talk to guys freely and interact and share and discuss and get on the same page, you know, tell them what I was seeing, listen to what they were seeing. There's, I think when we work together, better things happen versus keeping it in quiet conversations, tuck it away. Don't, don't share. Um, that doesn't really help anybody. And it's, it's great that it's happening more now. I, I have a very high appreciation for that. And I, I wish it was like that more before, because it would have been way easier, it would have been way better for everybody. Well, it, so. I think it, what it comes down to is, and, and Bobby mentioned this, like Mags, you said it, like, it's like, it's not, it's not about, it's not about me or I think any one of us on this conversation and the reason why we've built a relationship the way we have, it's not about me anymore. Right. It's about the hitter. And if we make it about the hitter and if we make it about that trust and that respect, it's that much easier. Right. So I think taking your ego out of the equation and saying, Hey, like it's about the game. Right. Is that, is that fair? Is that like, am I thinking about it the right way at least? Yeah. You know, uh, again, it's a, you said right now, again, I'm going to reiterate, it's about the player. It's like, you know, we're going to try to help them get better as coaches, as an organization, of course, we want them the best from you. And if we're seeing where this guy's going outside the organization and it's not helping, it's like, man, dude, it's it's not working. Because it's like, I'll ask questions like, hey, man, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm hit with this guy. I'm like, okay, is it is it working? Yeah, yeah. That's the I first thing a- I go, it's fine. But is it working? If it's working, keep going. It's awesome. We're trying to win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's all, we're trying to win. That's the thing. It's like, but here's the thing, man, if, you know, if we feel like it's not working, we're seeing this, you know, all our stuff that we're, we're seeing on it, the video, the research, the analytics, all the numbers that we're getting on, you, we're seeing this is what you need. And again, to me, we're just, a, I consider myself a resource. I'm a resource for the hitter. That's all I am is a resource. It's like a, it's like pitcher and catcher. Catcher is putting down signs that's just a suggestion. He's just, hey, this is what I think you should throw. But the pitcher's got the ball. He's going to decide what he, what pitch he wants to throw. This is these number, these fingers are just suggestions. Well, I'm a resource. 
these are just suggestions. You're the ultimate guy. You're going to decide what you want to do. Yeah. You buy into it or not, it's up to you. Yeah. It's not like your career. And it's not going to be, well, this guy told me to do this and that. Like, no, it's your career. I just suggested it. If you want it, it's here. This is what I suggest. But you're the ultimate. You make the ultimate decision. Whether you want to believe it or not, you want to work on this or not. Or who do you want to work with? Because it's your career. That's the way I look at it. I tell my, I have a 15-year-old uh, son. And I tell him that, son, it's your career. Dad, you know, this and that. I go, buddy, it's your career. I tell him that's your life. What do you want to do? Because at the ultimate, you don't want to look back 10 years from now and say, man, they had me do this. Like, no, go back and say, hey, you know what? I can can look back and I feel good about what I did. What you just said is so powerful and important. And I want to just linger on this for a little bit because it's such a hard dynamic where you have kids that go off to college every year and they get there and the coach wants to make a change. So where's the line in your opinion, of being respectful in in your convictions about what you believe in, when you encounter a coach that's saying, hey, we need you to make this change, and like how much failure should happen before you do make changes? Because sometimes, I, I know when I got to college, my first semester, I felt like a wounded puppy. I like forgot how to play the game. It was moving so fast around me. Guys were throwing harder, running faster. I'm like, what? It felt like I was felt like I was in slow motion. The game was happening and I, I just didn't have confidence, but should I hit the panic button and start making changes, which would make things worse, most likely. Um, so where's that balance of being respectful and still being convicted and not, you know, coming across as uncoachable. Great question. I'm going to answer it by two experiences. And it's, it's a fine line and I'm going to do it because of my experiences. And, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to study performance psychology was because of just what I'm going to tell you. The first one was in junior college. I got drafted out of high school. I was a really good defender and I had really good actions, smooth actions. Just, just, I had feel, I had awareness on the field. That's just since I was a little kid. So I go to junior college, real prestigious junior college in California, and with a phenomenal coach, probably future Hall of Fame, uh, probably be in the Hall of Fame someday, a uh, coach. Um, and I get there my freshman year, and it's like they have 67 guys out there, six shorts. I was playing shorts. I have six shorts, five third bases. I mean, it was a prestigious go. So I get there, and I play, and so we're in the fall, and – and they started really trying to break me down defensively, like take a right, left field, right, left throw, do this. And, and I was I had some flair. I did stop one handed. I can throw on the run. I can pick it. I, I can step back. I can one handed. I, I had that. That's just something. It was just natural. It was something I just had. God gifted me that. Well, I get there and I went backwards. I started thinking about it. And I'm telling you, I got to a point where I couldn't catch the ball, something I would do so natural. Wow. And I just like, I, it was so like, I had to think about it and like, well, oh shoot, my foot wasn't right. Or, or if I would catch a ground ball, come on, let's go. You know, they, you know, like the, the coach there would tell me, let's go. You're not that good. You know, quit one handed it, you know, set your feet and, you know, quit throwing on the run. You know, you're, you're not that good. You know, you're, this is in the big leagues and, and so my nickname, they started nicknaming me Big League. I'm like, 
gosh, man. And, and, and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, so I wanted to transfer. I couldn't handle it anymore. I, I, like, this isn't good. And before you know, I started going down and down and down in the depth chart. Before I know, I couldn't even take infield and outfield because we had so many people that when you're not one of the guys, you wouldn't take it. And that hit my pride. I'm going, man, I, and I turned down a scholarship to a division two school full ride to go to junior, that junior college. I'm going, you know, I had a full ride my school paid for. It. Now I'm on the bench of the junior college. I go, this isn't right. So I wanted to transfer and, and like, I wasn't happy. And so when the coach talked to me, I talked to the coach, he goes, look, Bobby, he goes, I think you'd be one of the best stuff to ever play at this in this program, but you know, you just right now, you got to win the spot. And I said, well, I told the coach, I go, I'm, I'm, I know that but I go, I forgot I even how to put my glove on. So like, it's, it's ridiculous. I had to think about everything. That's something I would do natural. Now it's not coming natural. And I felt like it took it away. So the winter went on. This is now going on like Christmas break, January, we come back from Christmas break. He has a meeting with him and says, Bobby, I want to say sorry. From here on out, do what you want to do. Do it your way. Uh, we really have really broken it down too much for you. And now it's like you're going backwards. And I went, thank you. But it was almost too late because I was like, even though I want to do it my way, I forgot. It's like, <laughs> it was like, it just, I just couldn't do it. Bottom line is that I finally was able to do it. I played my freshman year at, towards the end. As the season went on, I ended up playing because a guy got hurt, so they gave me the opportunity. I did, I did okay. Come back for my fresh for my sophomore year, and I just went off. And the rest is history. You know, I drafted again. You know, junior college all American, whatever. And I did good in defense. It was something they just they just left me alone, and I started picking. That's one story. So after my sophomore year in junior college. I get asked at the end of the sophomore year, I get asked for an invite for Team USA. So now I get for Team USA, I get an invite. I'm going, wow. I'm like, no way. I go, this is incredible. I never would have thought that. The year before was the Olympics. So I watched the Olympics in, in 88. And I'm like, no way. I go, I'm getting invited. So I was so pumped just to, just to go try out for Team USA, and especially as a junior college player. So I go and I try out and I make the team, which I'm like, no way. And it's like, I can't, the coaches like, Bob, they like me a lot. The coaches are on team because I, I can pick it. I was a little bit light with the bats, but anyways, I go off that summer. We play uh, Japan and I become MVP of the Japan series and, and uh, hit four home runs in the seven game series in Japan. And it's like, I'm like going, I've never hit like this, you know, like, I just went out because my confidence was so high. So I just go off, off. So I got drafted that, that, uh, that June. And then I didn't sign because I was going to go to Long Beach State. I had signed a letter in Tim Long Beach State. And I'm going to go playing. And so as the summer went on, when they started seeing me go off, the, the Mariners, Seattle Mariners were going to go see me play. I go, oh, what's going on? So my bonus kept going up and I kept saying, no, 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 no. So finally, at the end of the summer tour, I signed. You know, negotiated and everything. I end up signing, and and the point is, I, I get there to instructional league because I signed late. So this is now October, late September, mid to late September. I go there instructional league, conference through the roof. I get there. I'm taking BP, first round of BP in a professional uniform. I hit first round. I go around the bases. I come back. Hitting coordinators there. And he tells me, 
you'll never hit like that in the big leagues. I'm like, first round of batting practice as a professional player. He wanted my hands up. He had my hands up here. I would, I would, I would do this like that. He wanted my hands up here, face to the pitcher, both eyes of the pitcher. It was like, so he had me early, everything. I, I, it was bad. Next year, I, I go home, work out, come back, spring training, same thing. Comes in, you know, I make the high ball team out of spring training. He comes into town, same thing. It's like, I forgot how to hit. Like, it was so mechanical, and he wanted me to do it. And I'm like, I, this is the way. No, you'll never hit that way, and this and that. And point is, I could not do it. I ended up hitting a buck 84 in my first pro, pro season, and it wasn't fun no more. Yeah. And I'll never forget the, the scout and the, and the cross-checker. Both those guys signed me. The cross-checker came up to me. After my first full season, when I came back again, he goes, I apologize. And I go, for what? He goes, we changed you. He goes, he goes we should have given you a chance your first year of pro ball, at least your first hundred. I just let's see what you can do. And, and, I, and I forgot how to hit. Yeah. So the point is, after I get released and whatever, I go to play in Mexico, and the hitting coach in Mexico sees me and says, what are you doing? I go, what do you mean? He goes, you can hit 20 home runs a year and you're trying to go the other way. And I go, well, that's what they're showing me inside out in a way. It's like, you got, part. this is Mexico. I'm like, and all of a sudden the guy goes, I want you to pull everything. And I'm like, no one ever said that. First of all, no one ever told me that was going to be good. No one ever told me that you got some pop. Let's work it. Let's go. And this guy, I led the team in RBIs hitting seven. And, like, this guy had no idea about mechanics. He just got me feeling, let's go. You got power in you. Quit thinking that way. And I'm telling you, it was career changing for me. Then, you know, I still, at that time, I didn't know anything about the swing. He didn't teach me swing. It just, like, let's freaking go. And point, so these are two things I'm saying. What do you do with a player? Like, hey, you know, they want you to correct this. To me, it's like, I didn't speak up, but when I spoke up is when they, it changed and like, okay, because the bottom line is the result. Now I would, I would, I would say this, look, tell your coach, coach, you know, just give me a chance just to kind of make these adjustments. If I don't see it, if you see that in the game, I'm not doing it, then I'll buy in. It's true. Cause it's all about the game, but give the guy a chance, to see what he can do. And that's where we overcoach it. And, and those are my experiences, which is why I said I want to study performance psychology because that's the part, that's the area that I, I, was, I was bad at, that it hurt me. Those stories are incredible. And I'm, I'm like blown away right now. I'm, yeah. If, I, you're, if your junior college coach didn't pull you aside and apologize and say, do your thing, your whole life would have been different. Yeah. And he tells a story. If, <laughs> he'll tell a story that he uses me as an example and he ended up, he ended up coaching how many first round draft picks later at, at division one schools. And he will tell you, he, he still uses me as, as an example of like what he learned as a coach. It he sounds story sounds, about me. Sounds eerily familiar. Doesn't it? Uh, I, I know exactly what so, you're talking about. I mean, it, it but every, doesn't every player go through this at some point? 
Where they need to find themselves, they need to find their identity. We're 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 really like we're we're we're, what we're narrowing this down to. To me, is the volatility of the human brain, right, and the volatility of each individual. And what I've been explaining a lot to, and I'm I'm trying to help a lot of college hitters now in the same regard. There is this fine line, and it is razor thin, in terms of being confident and being humble, right, and and having just enough. The other thing that I add into it is like enough insecurity to be able to like make excuses for when you stink so that you don't affect your confidence. And it's like, it's this weird paradigm because the words, and this is why I'm so, I'm kind of disgusted at the end, like not the industry, but like the Twitter hitting verse and the world right now because people don't realize how impactful their words can be on any one individual. Right. Just, and we all have these like little defining moments. When I went to spring training, my first affiliated spring training, well, technically it was my second, but I had signed with Minnesota. The first day I'm in the cage, the first day. Yeah. You can't do that leg kick. It's not going to work in double. (laughs) And in your, I was just lucky enough, Mags. I was just lucky enough that I had played the seven years of indie ball before it. And I was 28 instead of 21, because at 21, I was volatile. Like it's so easy to just be 21 and ride these emotional tides, right. And ride these waves of success and failure and the environment that you're in and really not build a wall around you that you know how to like stop information from penetrating your, your armor. Right. Cause, and you just mentioned you're a 20 year old kid, 19 year old kid. Hey, you got to do this. Like I never want to strip an athlete of what makes him an athlete. And that's where I see the biggest difference, especially in college baseball now where a college coaches have way too much time on their hands. They all pretend they're like the busiest guys ever, but they have way too much time on their hands. Cause they got to like invent practice drills and stuff like that. And I hear it all the time where, where, where the conversations end up being, well, you got to do this. I'm like, you don't have to do anything. You need to define to yourself, individual hitter, how good you want to be. And then use that as your barometer. Because then you'll make the adjustments that you need to make as it goes along. The only thing I want to help guys fix is their expectation of themselves. Because some guys are bred to believe they're not supposed to hit. You went down to Mexico and the hitting coach said, you should hit 20 and knock in, you know, 80 or whatever it is in, in a winter ball league. You know, 60 is a huge winter ball. 50 is a huge winter ball. So if you go 20 and, and, and 50 in winter ball, you're doing it. You know what I mean? And and that guy gave you confidence. He, he made you believe. He made you remember that you're supposed to be good. And then all of a sudden, you, the hitter, were the one that made the changes that you needed to make. You know what I mean? So I, I, I've experienced those things. I, I relate to them as defining moments in my career where I'm able to look back on them. I don't even know they're defining moments while they're happening, but like I realized later on that they were, and it's incredible stories, Mags, incredible. Like, thank you so much. Cause it, it brought so much to light for me. Just, you know, you're not, you're not alone. I wasn't alone. And every other guy out there, they're not alone when they go through it. And that's what I want everybody to remember. Super powerful stories. And I've been, uh, Chris and I talked last week about this, a lot of like existential type thoughts lately, just thinking about 
whys and what what does it all mean all that kind of stuff but one of the things that i've been drilling on a lot is understanding who we are and how we can choose who we are so that coach in mexico helped you understand who you could be and it was just words and that it's like it's wild to think that he could he could just come up next to you and say hey man you're better you can be better let's be better. And then you did. And it's just, you, you didn't like get in the weight room. You didn't change your swing. You didn't make any overhaul. You just, you became a different person with your mind and with your thoughts and with what you, with your beliefs and confidence. It's so powerful and doesn't get talked about enough. So uh, what Chris just said, thank you so much for sharing those stories because people need to hear this stuff. What it comes down to is like, we, we all, in some capacity, we all want to be good. We just don't know how good we can be. And we question ourselves. We doubt it. Every one of us, big leaguers, minor leaguers, college players, everyone has fear and self-doubt. Let's not forget that. The guys that are so impressive to me when it comes down to it are the ones that are able to like kind of push it aside or use it as like motivation. Like there were some guys that I hear stories about. I used to hear stories about like Wade Boggs. He'd be 0 for 12 and the guy would be losing his mind. Like he'd be in the cage for hours and, you know, freaking out and and that was able to pump him up. I know a lot of guys fear and self-doubt makes them worse. <laughs> you know, they, they put some brakes on them, puts restrictors on them. So to that point, like even wanting to understand performance psychology, like, and, and I think that's where the, you gain a, a tremendous competitive advantage over others and, and really just being able to understand humans. Cause that's what it comes down to, right? It comes down to humans. Yes. Yes, we're, we're, I've said this before. I, I don't coach baseball players. I coach people, you know, and then that's what we are. Special stuff. My next topic seems a little silly after the conversation <laughs> just happened. Uh, I wrote, uh, it is uh, working with different swings. So you have somebody like Ronald Acuna versus Freddie Freeman, who are just wildly different. We don't have to talk about them specifically, but two very different swing mechanics styles. And now it's just, Feels, feels silly to even try to talk about that. Um, I think it's real, but how about this? I'll, I'll pivot. Um, when do you, how do you, all this mental stuff and, and confidence and everything we just talked about, when does it trickle into mechanics? When does it, when does the physical part, how like, um, we can look at it from like an organization standpoint or maybe just experience you have where, I'll come at it from my angle. I got to a point when I was a swing guy where people would just come to me and they just want to talk about, like, tell me what to do. How do I fix my swing? I was like, I can't even, I can't do that because I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you. Um, there are times though, when there's mechanical flaws, there's physical things that are happening. So how, what's your experience with that? Or, or how do you do, you, how often do you guys use video? Is there, are you using technology to measure stuff? because there's, there is value and importance there, but it has to be part of the whole equation. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that, that's what makes teaching hitting so hard, <clears throat> coaching hitting. Uh, I've had, you know, we, we've heard it said, what's the toughest thing to do in all the sports? And the answer is always hit a baseball. And I come back with, okay, the next question I have, okay, what's the second toughest thing to do in all sports? And that's to teach it. And it's, it's hard to teach it. It's hard. I, I can't be one that says I know it all or, oh, this and that or this guy's wrong. It's like 
bro, it is so hard to teach, man. When we start thinking we know it all, we better than that guy. It's like we're wrong. It's that's not the way it is. It's so hard to teach. Uh, but that, with that said, there is a fine line. Well, okay, is it is it movement? Is there something wrong with his movements? Is it his mental approach? Is it his actual approach about the plate? Is he thinking too much? Is there an injury? What's causing the breakdown? And that's where we have to come in. Okay. You know, we're a doctor. The way I look at it is we're like doctors. Okay. When you're sick, you come to the doctor. There's a reason why you're going to the doctor. You're sick. Something's wrong. You don't feel good. So what is the doctor? First visit, you go to the doctor. What do they do? Okay. So tell me, what are you here for? What well, doc? You know, I got a sore throat. Head hurts. I feel like I got a fever, runny nose. And so doctors do. Well, same thing as Hey, but what do you feel? You know, and the, you know, Mags, you know, I, I just feel like I, I'm getting beat on the, on the pitch. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I'm late. I don't feel like it gets stuck back a little bit. You know, I, I just feel like the ball's beating me. I, I, you know, I'm out in front of off speed and laying on fastballs. And so all those are symptoms. Okay. Cool. Okay. And now look at the video. Okay. Let's check it out. So, okay. So what, what, what are, what's your thought process? What, when you go up to the play, what are you thinking about? Well, this is that, I mean, all that, I, I'm always asking questions and all of a sudden paints a picture and I go, okay, we'll just check it out. So once, and I, I guess with all the experience now coaching, you start having little things like, okay, check here, check here from all the experience with all these hitters. And then you get to know the player, what, what he's about and what works for him, what he likes. You come up with like, okay, this is what it is. And and the doctor will come up, and once he checks all you out, he checks you out, he'll go, okay, because all that stuff that I described, those are symptoms. We still don't know what the issue, what's causing that. And if the doctor doesn't do a good, uh, a good assessment on you, then he can give you the right medication for what's causing all that. So when all of a sudden he comes in, oh, you know what, in the finding out, you have an infection in your throat. So this is the, this is the antibiotic I'm giving you. Take it for five days. And even though you might feel better in three days, but still continue it because it can come back. And so I take it, bam, gone, feel so much better. But if he would have said, you know what, uh, I think you have, uh, it's your stomach. And he gives me something for my stomach that I, I would, I'm still, still going to be sick. So we got to know what we're getting. Well, that's why I look at his hitting coaches. Like I got to give them the remedy. I got to give them the antibiotics and help them. And when it does, okay, this is what the issue is. It can be a mental approach. It can be that he's tight. You know, you know what? Your shoulders are really tight, man. Loosen them up. All of a sudden, whoa, like, oh, there it was. And that's all it was. And it wasn't like anything else. So, again, those are things you're like, okay, it's getting to know the hitter. What makes him tick? Where is he at? You know, he's kind of tight. Your grooves, whatever. And you give him that, all of a sudden he goes. And I tell the hitters this. They're like, oh, my God, they get two hits. Like, shoot, hit a double and homer. Oh, my God, Max, oh, that, was, that was it. Like, there, there you go. And I say, okay, this is what we did today in the cage. And I tell them, keep doing it. Because even though you feel good, they'll start like, okay, they go back to their ways. No, finish off the, the, the medication. Finish it. Because I want you to keep it because they can come back. Those bad habits can bad, that bad swing can come back. Keep this going. Keep these drills going, what we're doing, until it just becomes a party. But again, get just. I hope I answered the question there. Oh, too. Definitely. Tremendous. It's, it's it's more like getting to know the guy, what works for him, and it 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 can't be just real quick. Well, again, you know, we can go to a hitting guy one time, and yeah, he improved all that, but 
in the game, I'm still getting beat up. <laughs> What's going on? What's happening? You know, but you, I mean, even though the, that hitting guy was right and his movements are a lot better now, he's doing way better, but he's still struggling. Why? That's why we come in and have to answer the why. This just made me think so much about the conversation. It, it, it kind of, it sparked something for me where, and, and it's, it's pretty obvious, but at the end of the day, it's like, again, really powerful stuff that, that just happens. We're talking about all these, these fixes, these changes, right? Like you, how do we get a player on the right track? And the biggest challenge and the reason you said it, teaching, coaching, hitting is the hardest thing in the world to do because no matter what, inherently players are going to connect their work and their, their, their training and their preparation to results on the field. And <laughs> one of the lines I started using a couple of years ago, I don't care how many swings you take in the off season. I don't care how good you make your swing. I don't care how hard you worked in the weight room. Oh, for four still waiting for you on opening day. It's still there. It's still ready to show up. It's, it's like, it's like the bad conscience, right? Like you have a good conscience and a bad conscience. Like the bad conscience is going to keep coming back. And the, the, this, this whole idea of training hitters and, and, and working toward becoming the best version of self, there's, a, there's like this general lack of understanding that the best version of self is a player that can exist in suboptimal, right? I did a webinar about this a couple weeks ago to be really good at hitting, you have to be okay with like being less than perfect. And we try to live up to this, this, this aspiration or this expectation. Like the day you go four for four and you hit four barrels, you have a stretch of 20 or so at bats where you're the best you've ever been. You go 17 for 20 or 16 for 20 with, you know, 15 barrels. You're only two, your only two other non barrel hits were like end of the bat flares with two strikes that you really you bought, you fought and clawed and battled to get there. And we're always trying to live up to that as hitters. And this is where the balancing act has to happen about, you know, living in, in this paradigm of like a fine line between humility and, and confidence of I'm really good. Even if the results on the field didn't show me that today, they didn't show me yesterday. They're not going to show me tomorrow but I'm still really good because like scratching one out, find a way to get one survival. And, and this is why I get a little bit frustrated at today's game. And, and, and I want your opinion on this, Put hitting against a shift, right? You know, you get a big, big time pull guy, power guy coming up and you know, you've been struggling a little bit and you get a matchup on the mound. You don't like, it's a guy you struggle with. Is there a time and place in today's game to go, I'm sacrificing this at bat and I'm going to shoot one through the four hole when nobody's standing there. I'm going to hit a 17 hopper to the right side for my psyche, for my confidence. Cause what getting one can do for you on any given day can be so important. We've like forgotten that almost in the game. It feels like, no, is that, is that fair to say? Like, is that, is that, is that lost? Is that a lost art in hitters nowadays? Yeah. Well, uh, Obviously, you know, the shifts are going and, and there's a lot of guys who aren't going that way. Um, and, and it is, it, it, I can say, I'm a dancer because of the lost art. I, I think, yeah, that's, that's going down more, uh, being able to hit that hole out there. But for me, it's, to me, me, my, my, me personally, 
I don't like a hitter ever making an out. I, I don't want them to make an out ever. I want the line moving. Yeah. I don't believe in making outs because the only, I tell our hitters, the only time you're ever going to make an out is when the manager gives you a sack bunt. And that's the only time you're going to give yourself up to make an out. Every at bat, we're trying to keep the line moving because we got 27 of them. I mean, why would we want to make an out? And, and people say, well, you know, you, you want to make a productive out. Yeah, but I still, I mean, I still want to get a hit. I'm trying to get on base regardless of how. And if I happen to score the guy on a ground ball with the in third, uh, infield back runner at third, awesome. But I still want to hit a base up the middle. I still want to hit a base to the right field. Whatever it is, I want to get a base hit. Now, if I happen to make an out and scoring them, great. No, no big deal. But I'm trying. I'm not going up there. I'm going to try to make an out. I just don't want that. So if they're giving it to us and you can handle the bat, yeah, because you want to, the thing is, is that you're trying to do something to stay above water until you feel good again, until it's back again. And, and, uh, and I'm a big believer in that. It's like, Hey, just keep having competitive at bats, just keep competing because you're not always going to feel good. It's like, I mean, feeling good up at the plate and every single time is very few times in, in, a, in a hitter's career in which you felt great at the plate very few times. So I, I don't believe in basing my success off of how I feel because then I'm, I'm not going to have success because I'm not always going to feel right. Yeah. So the thing is that you're trying, you're trying to go to where you need like, okay, you know what, if that's where the holes and I can manage that, I'm going to, I'm going to put a competitive bat here regardless of the result, regardless if I get a hit or not, I just want to keep competing until I feel good again. So you know, if I can handle that, I'm all for it. If you can handle that, a lot of times what happens is they're trying to manipulate swings and the guy's throwing 102 <laughs> with, with, with a, a vertical break of, of a horizontal and vertical break of, I don't know how much degrees. And you're like, I'm just trying to make contact, let alone try to guide it somewhere. You know, miss pitches all the time. But, um, but, but again, it's like it's competing up there and trying to do whatever you can to compete and try to score runs because the ultimate goal of an offense is to score runs. So do them however you can. It, it comes down to redefining what victory is in every individual moment, right? Like, again, I, I'm try, I try to get down to the core. The You gave that great analogy when we talked the other day. I know we haven't talked about it, but like killing the spider, right? Like kill the spider. Mm -hmm. Like what the – like – if you don't kill a spider, the web is going to come back tomorrow, right? If you clear out the cobweb. And, but every moment in time that we have, and it's people talk about being present and staying in the moment. Like I, it's, you say that to a 17-year-old kid or a 22-year-old guy like or 26-year-old guy, yeah, stay in the moment. It seems cliche and, and, and simple. My, my, the way I've, I've kind of tried to like shape it now is like, we have to redefine success in this moment. What is a win right here? I'm 0 for my last nine with six punchies. I got this dude on the mound that's 102 with, you know, whatever. What is what is a win right here? How, how can I find wins in these moments? Because if I define a win as a three-run bomb with nobody on down by six or like a seven-run homer, like you lose no matter what. So to be able to build confidence and build psyche and, and really stay above water the whole time, how do you go wire to wire staying above water as a hitter? 
if we could get hitters to do that for 162 games, you know, like I wish that was, uh, I wish that was something that every hitter understood. You know, I There's wish something, that- uh, uh, my, when I first coached when I was done playing and I, my very first coaching job, I uh, was hitting coaching rookie ball and, um, and the manager of that rookie ball team was Brian Harper. You know, played a lot of years in the big leagues catcher. Awesome guy and a great baseball guy. Very knowledgeable. He was a very good hitter. Very good uh, uh, in catcher. World Series with the Twins. And he said something. You know, I talked a lot. I like picking his head on hitting. This guy's re- really good. And he said that uh, he played with Kirby Puckett. He says, you know, Max, he was Kirby Puckett said something. He says, look, he was a third of the time, the pitcher's going get to me, get me out. A third of the time, I'm going to get him. It was the last third is the one that I work on. That's when I get myself out. And I went, wow. He was, that's what I work on. He was, he was I'm going to get him a third time. He's going to get me a third time. It's the other third. That's the one where I'm pissing the bat away or, or I'm getting myself out. That's the ones. If I can minimize that third, he was, I'm going and I went, you're so right. Yeah, that, was, that was a good point. So I, I try to tell guys that. It's like, don't piss away at bats. That's yeah. why I never want a guy making it out, ever. 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 It's like, no. No. I mean, we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to get his. We're trying to get on base. We're trying to do whatever I can. You know, because, again, to me, it, a lot of times, I just I just want to put the ball in play. It doesn't become a competitive at bat sometimes. I'm not, I'm not against putting balls in play, no, by any means. And I don't like strikeouts. The point is, I'm, it, it goes back to the mental part. A lot of times, by us, I'm just going to try to put the ball in play. We don't become competitive. It's like, hey, just put the ball in play. I'm an out. Hey, put the ball in play. Double play. Hey, just put the ball in play, and, and I'm just fouling pitches off. I should be hitting. It's like, it, to me, it, it, it just becomes we're just pissing that bats away. I'm going, man, no, let's, let's compete. Let's compete up there. And I, like I said, I – I want to keep the line moving, you know, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's a, uh, I believe in competitive at bats and whatever you can. Fired up right now. I want to... I'm ready to take some maybe. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, there's been, there's been multiple moments in this, in this conversation where I'm just like locked in and I feel like almost more, I think more so than any zoom conversation I've had since this whole thing started, I feel like I'm in the room with you and it's, like I'm, my initial perceptions of you, of you are that you're a pretty quiet person and, and almost reserved. But once you get going, man, it you are electric. You're electric. Thanks. Thanks. Great. I love it. I wish I could. I wish I could share a dugout with you. It's it's really awesome stuff. It's I fantastic. I, sec- I second that. I knew I liked you when I met you. See, the, there's one thing I give myself credit for. I think I give myself well, I give myself credit for a lot of stuff. Just <laughs> to tell Homer story next. Here we go. I, I have to maintain that alphaness, right? That was how I how I was successful, but I consider myself a pretty good judge of character, generally speaking. And um, you know, who would have thought that five years ago I would have met you in the outfield in in Goodyear, Arizona, staring at mm-hmm. the airplanes out in uh in <laughs> Yeah, those are here and, and you'd uh You'd be a World Series champion, and uh, you know we'd be talking hitting. It's it's awesome. This is the stuff that I uh, 
I get it's it's special to me. It'll always be special in my heart. So thank you for uh, awesome. Are you walking us off? We have a passion. I, I have a passion for it. Both you guys have a passion for it. And when we get together like this, I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, we're we're well over our hour that we usually go, but this is, I mean, fantastic. Uh, uh, let's go with this. Let's shift gears a little bit. You got any? You got football teams? You play golf? What else? What else you got going on in the sports world? Because yeah, I got football. I I, I like the Cardinals. I like the local team. So like the Cardinals, my, my son, my little one's a big fan of the Cardinals. Oh my God. He's, he's, he doesn't miss it. I mean, we, we, we do church on Sundays, but it's like, okay, dad, like yesterday, they were playing 11 o'clock Arizona time. So we went to church at one o'clock just so you want to see the game. You know, uh, if they play at two o'clock, we go in the morning. So it's like, yeah, so football, we follow football. That's great. I, I, I got to ask Chris about his Tom Brady, his, it's a recurring theme of the show. So I have my yeah. Patriots hoodie on just because it was what came out of the laundry and it was clean and it's cold in Massachusetts and my number of hoodies is limited. But I am a, uh, as I like to say, Mags, I, you know, I'm a big Tom Brady guy, dude. I just, I really like to watch my guy Tommy and that's, that's about it. Gronk's my guy. Gronk's my boy. I, you know, we have a Dunkin' Donuts coffee over here and, and I just watch Tommy and that's it. But I figured the Pats are on tonight, so it's fitting. The game yeah. tonight. Yeah. Arizona, uh, Phoenix has got the Arizona footballs. The Cardinals are good. And then the basketball team is really yes. good. This year. Yes. Get the Suns obviously are good. And, and the Cardinals, you know, best record right now in NFL. So they add, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Good. Just a good you reason just, to move to Arizona. You just surround yourself with, uh, with success between Atlanta and, and the Phoenix area. That's great. Yeah, That's the only, cool. the only thing is you got to go, you got to go to Florida for spring training. That's a little bit grimy. I, once I know you, that's the only thing. Yeah, you get that's the only thing. It's that Arizona spring training's nice. Those forty-five minute, everything's in a forty-five yeah. minute window. You know, man, Florida spring it trainings. I, I was, I went the other way. I started with with Florida spring trainings, and you know, two and a half hour rides were normal. So you, you know, I didn't. When it came to Arizona, I was like, "What? I'm home by yeah, five every cool. day? Crazy!" You know, backing up the game and. uh you know, in Scottsdale, you're still home by five o'clock or whatever. Yeah. You know, it, uh, you back up if you back up a game in, you know, in Tampa and spring trainings in uh, in Fort Myers, you're like you're looking at eight o'clock is the earliest you're walking in the door. Oof, grimy. But uh, well, thanks for ha- thanks for coming on the show, Max. This was this was great. We'll let you go. It uh, this was awesome. I think. I would say one of my favorite conversations we've had, if not, uh, you're, you're up there, man. I trust me. I just look forward to talking to you more. We got to make it, we should probably carve out like 30 minutes a week to just make sure we talk. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it, man. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get language of coaching too. I got it pulled up on Amazon. They, they don't have a Kindle ver- or they have a, maybe I'll get on Kindle. I'll get the, uh, yeah, I the- think you, I think you can. I, 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 I like, so I like, I, I like books just cause I, I don't know. I'm old school. I always do the audible. I was telling somebody I'll, this I'll download stuff on my, I do download books. I don't know. I just, I don't know why. I just like the book itself. I don't know why. I guess it's, it's, a tra- it's traditional. It's more, it makes it, it's like, it's real. He'll listen to the book and then he'll, he'll buy the book after. Yeah. He tells no, I do me at the same time. Books all the time. I'm like, no, you listen to the book. It's different. It takes like a special skill to read. I, I tell people, so I was just telling uh, Patrick this the other day. If I want to get the value out of the book, I'll buy the hard copy and I'll do the audible and then I'll listen to it while I'm reading it and I'll take notes and I'll pause it and I'll underline. Yeah. 
because for me, I, I, I mean, I've, I have a note, I'm taking notes right now. Um, when I write stuff down, I learn it better. So, and I, I think better versus True. typing. I can just, I can mind map and I can, I can put it, I don't have to worry about tabbing and like, organizing. Okay. so I like writing stuff on paper. And when I listen to it, I just keeps me on task. If I just read the book, I'll read like three pages and realize I'm thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. And then I got to go backwards and it, it just keeps me on task. And if, I mean, reading and there, there's so much value you can get out of books and they're so accessible, but if I got to do an audible credit plus pay the money for the book, I'm going to get the value out of it. So if I just buy the book and it sits on my shelf and I never get the value, I just wasted the money. So it's almost like I'd rather, I'd rather pay double the amount to get the value. Right. I mean, there's, there's things I've read in books that have changed my life that have shifted my whole trajectory. So, um, that's, that's how I justify it. And if I'm going to get value, I'm going to get value. This is why we're the yin and yang. I, I do a really good job at listening. I would rather never take a note. Like I never took notes in school. I just paid attention. If I, if a topic meant something to me, I just paid attention. And I had it. It was, that's how I like. You're, you're describing one of my better friends, man. Uh, from, uh, from we, we played junior college together. We played amateur ball together when we were kids, but same thing, man, this guy would, he wouldn't do homework and, and I had to do homework. I'm going, and he was like, just pay attention. He was guys, man, just pay attention in class. That's it. Write notes. Boom. That's it. You don't have to do homework. You have to study. And ace that he got his master's degree. I think he was like 23 years old when he finished his master's. I'm going, this is incredible, man. I go, how does he do it? I mean, he just gets stuff like that. Wouldn't study. So yeah, you would tell me the same thing. He's like, man, I just pay attention. I, this is crazy. Math was always my thing. Right. So I would sit in calculus class in high school and I would just watch the lesson. And in the back of my notebook, I would like sign my autograph a hundred, practice my autograph. I have like hundreds of pages of autographs in the back of my notebooks. It's a least shocking thing. Somebody, I'm already <laughs> thinking I'm in high school and I stink. I'm already thinking about being, you know, my autograph and how, like how I'm going to do the double C and whatever. And then don't tell anybody I said this, but I would never do the homework assignment ever. We always had busy work for homework. So I'd come in and one of my best friends, she, she would, she was diligent. So I'd be like, Hey, let me copy it real quick. And she was cool with it. Cause she knew I was a pretty good student. Like more, more often than not, you're like, really like you want to copy my homework, but she was cool. I'd always just like write it down. So if he did a homework check, it was like, I did it. And then I, I mean, I breezed through math class. Like it was, and I, I, I always looked at people and be like, how do you not know how to do this? So easy. It's kind of a mean thing to do, I think. But anyway. Hey, it's your, it's your reality. Anybody judging you? Yeah, is- don't tell anybody. Don't tell my, my calc professor. I hope he doesn't listen. I don't think I did one homework assignment in two years. Wow. It's pretty impressive if you can pass calculus without doing the homework. Derivatives and integrals, man. It's easy stuff. I haven't thought about calculus in a while. Right. very good anyway thank, thank you again you so much for your time max you're the man Welcome, guys. um continued success obviously like see where the whole off season goes but enjoy your off season and uh we'll talk soon let's do it and on that note signing off tampa bay buccaneers winners yesterday pats tonight pickle out <laughs>